Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. Hey, so we're in a series called Baggage, Unpacking a Better You. Unpacking a Better You. Pastor Jordan spoke the first week on this subject, unpacking negative thoughts. He talked last week about unpacking burnout. That really spoke to me. Like, I have so much going on in my life. It's as if I'm running all the time. And I just need to find a way to trim down some time so that I won't burn myself out, you know. So it was a good message for me. And I want to talk to you this morning about unpacking guilt. Guilt. And I want to tell a story about a man named King David. And you can find this account in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and chapter 12. King David was the king of Israel. And at this point in his life, in this story, he was in his mansion, and he decided, you know what, I think I'm going to just go up to the roof and hang out on the roof. Went up to the roof, and the Bible says that when he looked across to the other side, he saw a beautiful woman naked, taking a bath. Oh, Jesus. And the Bible says that he sent for her to come to his chamber and to make this story, you know, not so long, he ended up sleeping with her. She ended up getting pregnant. She was a married woman. David now is trying to cover the sin, so he sent his servant to get her husband, who was fighting a battle with the armies of Israel. The husband come back. David, you know, tried to buddy him up and convince him to go and sleep with his wife. The husband said, no, I I can't do that. You know, I got too much honor. My men are out in the field. They're fighting a battle, sleeping in tents. Say, I just can't do that. David now is in a dilemma. I got to fix this problem. I got to hide this sin. And that's that's what happens when you sin and you try to cover sin. You just create more sin. And what he's trying to do is like he's trying to cover the sin. So he sent a letter by Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, to go back to the battle and take it to the commander. And the letter was his death sentence. The letter, the letter actually said to put him on the front line in the heat of the battle because David's intent was for him to get killed. And the Bible says that he died. But I'm pretty sure that David felt guilty about the whole situation because the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. 
So David, thinking that the whole situation have kind of blown over, God sent a prophet by the name of Nathan to tell David a story. And Nathan came to David and said, hey, David, there was, um, listen to this story here. Tell me what you think about it. There was two men. One was rich. He had a whole lot of sheep, goats, whatever you want. He had a big flock. And there was also this one man. He was pretty poor. You know, he had one little sheep, you know, and uh, he loved it. I mean, he loved that sheep. And, you know, the sheep, he raised it up as his own child. And the kids loved the sheep. And they, you know, the sheep ate at their table and drunk from their cup. And uh, the sheep even slept with them at night. They loved the sheep. Sound like somebody's dog around here, huh? <laughs> Ended up telling David this story. And then the, they, he told David, he said, well, the rich man had a guest come over. And the guest said, hey, why don't we kill a lamb, a sheep? Let's kill something and, you know, celebrate. The rich man, even though he had all the sheep in the world, he went and took the poor man's sheep. The sheep that the poor man loved and cared about. And he ended up killing the poor man's sheep. And he asked David, he said, what should happen to this man? David said, man, that's messed up. How are you going to do that to that poor man and take his sheep and kill his sheep? And he got all these sheep and this big flock that he had. Nathan said, you are that man. And David realized, and guilt sprung back up in his life, and he realized that I sinned against God. And Psalms 51, it says, this is the prayer that David prayed. He said, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me my sins, for I recognize my rebellion. It hunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Cleanse me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me my joy back again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey. Then I will teach your ways to rebels, and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. And that's what guilt would do. That latter part, unseal my lips so that my mouth may praise you. See, when we are living in guilt, 
We can't even praise God the way we ought to praise him because guilt is blocking. It's a wedge between me and God. And guilt can be caused by a lot of things. You know, the burden of guilt have spiritual and physical consequences. David burdened the weight of his sin. He committed lust, adultery, and eventually murder. But the weight of that, the weight of the sin, is what kills us and hunts us. David said, blot out the stain of my sin. See, guilt is a stain that reminds us of what happened to us. And there's a lot of things that can cause guilt, like abandonment, and abuse, molestation, rape, pornography, adultery, fornication. Parents feel guilty because they feel like they don't spend enough time with their kids. There's a lot of factors that can cause guilt in your life. And a lot of people have been living with guilt for years. Like since I was 10 years old, I've been dealing with this stain in my life. And guilt doesn't always come from my sin. Guilt can also come from something someone else has done to me. And I've been living with that all of my life. And because of that, I cannot praise God the way I should. Because I feel unworthy because of the guilt. That stain that's in my life. And guilt, left unchecked, can lead to things like distress and anxiety, fear panic attacks and a lot of people turn to things like pills and needles drugs they turn into alcoholics because of the stain of guilt and a lot of times we try to mask the guilt we try to hide the guilt we try to cover the guilt by coming to church are becoming workaholics, are shopping a lot, working out in the gym, whatever I can do to take my mind off of the guilt that I'm dealing with. But you can't just work it away because it's a stain that will not go away by your own strength. Hebrews chapter 12, which is where we get our text from the, for this series, says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin. And see, we all have the sin. Like, nobody want to talk about the sin. Like, we could talk about some stuff, but not the sin. Amen. 
because it so easily trips us up. He said, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us, but I can't run the race that God has for me if I keep tripping over the guilt from my past or my present. Guilt simply means that I've crossed the line. I've crossed the line. And what God is saying is that he wants us to unpack guilt out of our lives. Pastor Jordan said a good analogy when he brought up the, the, the bag, the travel bag with some bricks loaded down in it. And, you know, I kind of, I remember like when, when our family used to go on trips and, you know, when the kids were smaller. It seemed, seemed like I carried all the bags. Nobody else would carry the bag. Everybody expected me to carry all the bags. And I'm running to get to our destination. I got my bag, my wife's bag, the two twins' bags. I got all the bags. And I'm weighted down. But see, the thing is, when, when they got old enough, I began to release myself of the baggage. Say, y'all can carry your own bag. You're big enough now. And that's what God wants from us. He wants us to begin to release baggage out of our lives. You know, my wife, a lot of times she'll say, we're going on a trip. We need to pack light because it's only a couple of days. Pack light. Okay, pack light. Cool. You know, get my duffel bag, throw me a couple of things up in here. You know, I'm good. Let's go. I'm ready to roll. Go put mine in the car. Let's go. Come back, she got the biggest suitcase in the world. Don't mean she got a knee on us talking about zip this up. Like, I thought we was packing light. And, and a lot of times we can tell people what they need to take out of their bag, bag but not look in our own bags. Like Jesus said, stop trying to take the splinter out of someone else's life when you got a log in yours. Stop worrying about my bag and let's deal with your baggage. I think that we all need to take daily inventory of our lives. Like every day you should be taking an inventory. You know, when you go to the checkpoint and, um, at the airport, you, you put your bag and they send it through the x-ray machine, and it reveals everything that's in the bag. And if there's something in the bag that can't go on the plane, then they take it out. Or they tell you to take it out, and it can't go. You can throw it away. You can do whatever you want to do, but it can't go on the plane. And you may not want to get rid of it, so you miss the flight. Or you might say, you know what? Let's get rid of that. I don't need it in the bag. I need to go where God is taking me to. And we need to have an x-ray machine over our life every day saying, Lord, what's in here? What do I need to take out? I like how it says in Psalms 139. David says, oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or when I stand up, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. 
You know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me to the path of everlasting life. Can you say that? Can you say, God, search me? Because there's some stuff in here that I need you to point out that might offend you. Can that be our prayer today? God, point out some stuff in my life that may be offending you. Point out some stuff in my life from keeping me from getting to my destination, from fulfilling my purpose in life. That should be our prayer. God, search me. Search my heart. Because I'm trying to be free of stuff that's holding me back from being the man or woman of God that you would have for me to be. And and the thing is, it's okay to not be okay. It's all good. It's okay. Jesus said like this in Mark chapter 2 and verse 17, when the Pharisee was asking his disciples, why do your master eat with publicans and sinners? Jesus heard this and he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who are sinners. Like I came for the sole purpose to free you of some stuff. That's my purpose, to deal with people who are not okay. It's good you're not okay because now I can come into your life and we can fix this thing. It's okay. I'm going to give you four things that brings guilt in our lives. The first one is isolation. The enemy wants to put you in a place where you are isolated. You are alone. You are by yourself. Because the enemy knows if he can keep you alone, he can destroy you. The Bible says the devil, as a roaring lion, he walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And the, and the, and the, and the lion always look for a weak prey, one that's wounded and one that's alone. I love what it says in Ecclesiastes 4 and 9. Say two people are better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. See, the enemy want to get you to a place where you don't have nobody in your life so he can not allow you to succeed. See, I need people in my life to help me get over my struggles, help me to get over my faults, help me to get over my guilt and my sin in the mountains in my life. You need people in your life. He says, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. Do you have people in your life that you can reach out and say, help? I need help. 
because I can't do it alone. But someone who falls alone, you're in real trouble. I'm telling you now, if you're trying to do it alone, you're in real trouble. And the scripture goes on to say, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. This is what the enemy wants. He wants to isolate you so he can attack your mind and defeat you. You cannot allow guilt to leave you alone. Three, or he said, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. Like I need people all around me. Give me two people. Give me three people. Give me the church. Because I want to conquer. I want to overcome some stuff. Tired of being defeated. Tired of living with guilt. Guilt brings isolation. That's why we do small groups. Like we don't do small groups here just so you can hang out. It's not a social club. We do small groups to have people in your life that you can connect with that can do life with you. Like people you can trust to help you to walk through some tough times in your life. Guilt also not only brings isolation, guilt also brings comparison. Guilt brings comparison. I, I, I begin to compare myself to other people. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says, oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are, but, but they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant. How ignorant is it to compare myself to other people? Like comparison says, would have, could have, should have. I would have been better. I could have been better. I should have been like my parents. I should have been like my, my, my friend. I, I, I could have went further in life. And comparison constantly push you down below the measurement that God has for you. Like, don't measure yourself up to other people's life. Measure yourself up to what God says about you. I am the head and not the tail. I am, you know, the, I, 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 like I am the son of God. I am forgiven. I am loved. A lot of times we, you know, look at people on social media and, you know, they get, have the camera up and they, you know, you're in the best part of the house. Like, I want you to see how nice it looked back here. But if that camera mess around and flip around, oh, Jesus, like, you'll see dishes in the sink, the trash can flooded over. Like, you'll say they, they, they have issues too. Don't compare yourself. Guilt will cause you to do that. Guilt will also bring blame and shame. David said, I was born a sinner. That's why I'm like this. For even in my mother's womb, I was conceived a sinner. Like, we blame other people for who we are today. 
It's your fault I'm like this. You didn't put me in a good environment. My situation I was in. My daddy made me do it. Like, people put blame on people. And blaming people will not get you free from the guilt. You would just try to find somebody else to blame. Adam said, the woman gave it to me. Eve said, the serpent made me do it. David said, God, you have broken me. Maybe you're blaming God about the guilt. And because you're so filled with guilt, you're ashamed. And shame is what's really causing you to isolate yourself and not get, allow people to get close to you. Shame says, I'm bad. I am a bad person. Guilt said, says, I did something bad. Are you saying, I'm bad or I did something bad? Guilt also brings sorrow. David said, restore unto me the joy of our salvation. Lord, give me my joy back. Lamentations chapter 3 says it like this. David says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them and my soul is downcast within me. And see, that's the problem that we remember the guilt of the act. And David said, it haunts me. Like I continue to, to, to see this thing, like in, in the conversations, I, I hear it and it, it springs back up. Things that I watch, I, I see it and it springs back up. Guilt brings sorrow. The devil want to steal your joy through guilt. And Jesus said in John 10, 10, I came that they may have life and life more abundant, life to the fullest. Like I want you to have a life filled with joy, not sorrow. And a lot of times that guilt and that sorrow we're dealing with it ends up showing up in my attitude, in my temper. Now I'm not treating people right. Now I'm getting out of character because of what's inside that other people can't see. Yeah, I look real good and I smell real good and, you know, I got a lot of money, but something's eating me and destroying me on the inside that's robbing me of my joy. I want to give you four things real quick to help us to overcome this, this guilt. The first thing is we must recognize. David said, I recognize my rebellion. I recognize that I was wrong. We have to come to a place where we can acknowledge our faults, acknowledge what it is I did, not someone else, like my fault, my issues. You have to come to a place where you recognize. Acts 3 and 19 says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then, 
the times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. See, refreshment can't come until you begin to recognize that I do have a problem. There is an issue. Like guilt suffocates us. But when you confess that thing, it's like <sighs> a breath of fresh air. You got to recognize you also must be honest. You have to be honest about the guilt. David says, David said that it hunts me, meaning this thing keeps showing up. What is it doing to your life? What is guilt causing you? Is it causing me to hate? Is it causing me to mistreat people? Is it causing me not to be able to be open and honest? We have to be honest about the cause that the guilt has on our lives. We have to be honest. If we're not honest, we won't be able to repent of all of our sins. And if we're not honest, we really will not see change. 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us. He can change us. He can make change in our lives only when we be honest through confessing the issue. We also must ask for forgiveness, which is a, a big one. Because a lot of times we don't want to ask for, we, we want to ask God for forgiveness, but we don't want to forgive the one that offended us. And the Lord says in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 14, if you forgive those who sin against you, forgive those who sin against you. Your heavenly Father will forgive you, but if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sin. Forgiveness is a two-way street. I can't expect God to forgive me for my sins that I'm feeling guilty about and not forgive people who have wronged me. And you also must forgive yourself. My last point for things that will help us to get free of guilt is we must renew our thinking. And we got to change the way we think. 2 Corinthians 10 and 14 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalt itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Like you have to bring those thoughts into captivity and not allow the enemy to continue to condemn you through your thoughts. The Bible says that we ought to therefore, in Romans 12 and 2, be ye therefore transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transform means to, renew your mind means to renovate. It means I have to tear down 
my old way of thinking. Tear down all of this old stuff. Tear down the lies that the enemy have placed in my mind. Tear down the thoughts of my past, thoughts of my sin. I have to begin to tear them down and begin to build new thought, thoughts through the word of God and what God's word says about me. Renew your mind. Begin to renovate now, today. How do we do that? By the Word of God. By placing the Word of God into your spirit and, and constantly keeping the Word of God on your mind. By stop allowing stuff to come through your eye gates and your ear gates and enter into your heart. Guard what you hear. Guard what you watch. Because it just resurfaced the pain back into your life. As I close, the last scripture is David at the end of his conversation with Nathan after Nathan showed him his fault. David, the Bible says, then David confessed to Nathan and said, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you. And I say to you today, the Lord has forgiven you. So you can release the guilt in your life. If, if you're living with it, if you have lived with it, just release it today. I, I asked to put this on the screen, and it says, this account shows me that Jesus has blank for me. Jesus has freedom for me, joy for me, Peace for me, love for me, forgiveness for me, purpose for me, a plan for me. What does he have for you? It's available. Be free of guilt today. Let us bow our heads.